We here at No True Bill hereby fully incorporate by reference our disclaimer from season one. Thank you and stay blessed. You know what it is. This is Joe. And Cheryl. And I'm Ray. And this is No True Bill. Hello, friends. I hope you've been well, and I hope that you enjoy this episode of No True Bill, where Cheryl talks about the untimely death of Leonila Stickney. It's a good one. Enjoy. Anyway, I'm nervous about podcasting. I haven't... Uh, what haven't was your last one? Sea Cat? Yeah. Dang. Which we recorded ages ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a second. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. But, um... This uh, case, uh, I think I said on our uh, year-end extravaganza preview for the new season mm-hmm. that this case was in North Dakota. It is not as in South Dakota. I apologize <sighs> to the Dakotas. You? I do understand that you are different states. Being mm-hmm. from West Virginia, mm-hmm. I get how frustrating it is mm-hmm. always being confused with another state or mm-hmm. thinking you're a part of another state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I apologize to our friends in both North and South Dakota. Uh, I was just mistaken in that recap episode. This case is from South Dakota. Okay. What is in what is in South Dakota? Which one of them has doesn't one of them have something to go to? Is yeah. it Rushmore? Not in one Rushmore of them? is in South Dakota. In South, yeah. I believe. I've never been. The Sturgis? Maybe. Is that a thing? Yeah, the motorcycle ride. Motorcycle? Why South do Dakota? I think that's further south than that? Maybe this. The Black Hills? I don't know, man. <sighs> I miss I never been to the Dakotas. No, I never been neither. I'm not either. Mm. Uh, it seems like a lovely place. I mean, if you overlook the... Uh, Aside from this case, it yeah, sounds like a great place to If you overlook the bloodiness of some of this. Mm. Um, sources for this episode. Yep. Yep. Uh, my favorite show on the <laughs> Oxygen channel, Accident, mm-hmm. Suicide, or Murder. <laughs> um, I was going to say, you can laugh all you want to. They got them cases where at first you're like, was this an accident? Was this a murder? Was this a suicide? Sometimes you don't know. Mm. But that's what makes the cases interesting to listen to. Mm-hmm. So uh, I love that show. And they did an episode about this on they that just, show. They should just call it, start a new season, uh, like it's spinoff. I ain't know. <laughs> I ain't even know. Could have been anything. Yeah, right? What do you what? I don't even know. Right into us. Uh also news articles. Uh there is the Mitchell Republic newspaper out there uh in the decoders that uh had a cold case series at one point called The Vault. Mm. Uh they did a retrospective article on this case that had lots of really good information in it. Uh, and then also, of course, I looked up the uh, court documents and the appellate record and things like that um, to help inform the show. And I'm glad I did because the episode of Accident, Suicide, or Murder that talked about this case had a lot of information in it, but there were also a lot of time gaps mm-hmm that uh, they tried to casually feel, fill with certain statements that didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there was just a lot of 
delay in this case, uh, sometimes for reasons and sometimes for reasons that are, that are still unbeknownst to me. Hmm. Um, but this, like I said, happened in South Dakota, Gregory County, South Dakota, to be exact. Gregory County, South Dakota, because Ray likes to know where places I are. I do yeah. very much. Uh, Thank you. Is located mm. on the southern border of South Dakota. That is the border it shares with Nebraska. Mm. It is uh, the eastern boundary line of Gregory County is the Missouri River. Oh, do they pronounce it Missouri or Missouri? I, I don't know. You didn't pick up pick that up from the episode no no one even mentioned that i looked this up because oh, i knew oh, that you, you would ask yes, i appreciate that uh, what, what was around there so as of 2020 uh their census county population was around 3994 folks oh damn that's down from almost a thousand in the 2000 census um what's the name of this county again gregory county Gregory. the county seat is burke uh, it is about three hours west by car of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Sturgis is in South Dakota. Hey. Uh, they uh, indicate it is out there in farm country. Okay. So uh, this takes place. You reckon on, they get a lot of snow out there? I would say. I would mm -hmm. think so, right? Mm. Yeah. We're going to have to add that in. Demographics, climate. <laughs> Can I wear shorts there? Uh, What's the rainbow sitch? Can I rock my flops <laughs> on the ground? You wear your flops all the time. That is true. Even if snow, it doesn't yeah, matter. It doesn't I matter. don't care. Um, so this occurs October 24th, 2009. Uh, there is a 911 call. Uh, the caller, and I heard this call, states, uh, my friend just got shot. I'm on my way to the hospital. Please call them right away, you know, to like, let them know let that the they're coming. Let the hospital know. Coming in. Uh, coming in with a. GSW. Yeah. So at approximately 1.40 p.m., a gentleman by the name of Russell Bertram arrives at Gregory Hospital with a lady named Leonila Stickney. Uh, Leonila, her friends call her Neela. Oh, I was so, going to say Leo. I was going to yeah. guess Leo. Neela. Um, Miss Stickney has an obvious gunshot wound to her chest. Mm. So responding to the hospital, as far as law enforcement is the sheriff, uh, Sheriff Wolf and a deputy whose last name is Dre. I think his first name is Tim. Deputy Dre. Yeah. Deputy Dre. So, uh, the sheriff actually knows Russell Bertram because Bertram had been a longtime lawman. Oh, yeah. I will get back to that. Uh, Russ indicates to law enforcement that Leonila is his fiance. Mm. Right away, I was confused. You say my friend? Yeah, because if your if your mm. fiance gets shot in the chest, do you call nine one and say, "Uh, my friend, my was friend shot? just got gatted. My mm. friend was shot. My friend with. Do you benefits. call your fiance your friend? I mean, that shouldn't your lover weird. be your friend? I mean, <laughs> yes. But, I mean, I wouldn't identify a fiancé as my friend. No. Uh, but, anyway, that struck me as weird from the beginning. No one really talked about that, uh, but that seemed really weird to me from the what, jump. What if, what, if the, what if this just cut out? He was like, my girlfriend, but, you know, it was like, my friend. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it didn't sound like that. No. Or well, no. you listened to it. You said, <laughs> okay. Um, so he explains that they were out road hunting pheasants. Um, it was indeed pheasant season. 
he says that uh, as they're talking to him, it becomes clear to them that he is a very experienced hunter. He knows a lot about firearms. Mm -hmm. He indicates that Neela didn't know anything about hunting or guns. Okay. What, what's road hunting? Is that like spotlighting? Like you're just shooting out the side of your ride? Uh, sure sounds like it. He's not shooting out of the truck, but they're just driving around in the truck looking for looking pheasants. Looking for pheasants. Okay. All right. And then you get out maybe and chase them or whatever you do. Yeah. So he says that he had <laughs> already killed two and had spotted another from his truck. So he took his shotgun, got out of the truck, shot this pheasant. Uh, he put it in the back of his pickup with the other two. As he's going to get back in the truck, he opens the door. He extends the gun into the passenger compartment. At that time, he says that Neela grabbed the barrel of the gun and pulled on it, telling him to give her a kiss. And when <clears throat> she did that, the gun accidentally discharged he reports he immediately called 911 and began driving to the hospital, which was approximately seven miles away. So he has finger around trigger, and when she pulls it, that depresses the trigger, and he shoots her on accident. Kaboom. It, man, she had to be messed up. That short? Yeah, that close that, range? That close range? <clears throat> shotgun to the chest? Yeah. Oh, that's nasty. Was it four buck? Yeah, was it? Yeah, is that what we learned about? We learned about four buck? <laughs> Uh, you know, it's going to be birdshot. They're shooting pheasant. That is true. It's gonna be yeah, that is true. <laughs> Unless Stupid. it wasn't. Stupid question. If it was that four, I don't, four I don't buck. I think they described. Is that what it was? Four Ray, buck? Yeah. Remington 878 12 gauge shotgun. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I know it was some kind of shot because she had. Uh, 70 billion pellets in her? Yes. Mm hmm. Um, I, I don't know that they were specific in any of the material that I looked at on that. See, mm -hmm. piece of information I did not know. Mm -hmm. I hate it when that happened. <laughs> yeah. I think we should call this the SpongeBob episode just because I'm looking at the map and you said Mitchell was the name of the, uh, the newspaper. The Mitchell Republic is the name of the newspaper. Yeah. I don't, I don't, there's a town next to Mitchell called Plankinton. Hmm. <laughs> so Plankinton <laughs> and SpongeBob. <clears throat> SpongeBob case? That's, yeah, SpongeBob. It's not even relevant. I'm just the saying there's a town right next to a place called where it actually happened. He's all you super chubbed up you on said, this. You on said this Gregory geography. County, right? Yeah. I don't know about counties. I just see Mitchell right here over by Sioux Falls. So that's got to uh, be. That, well, <laughs> that's got to be. The town of Gregory. Looks like Burke is nearby. Burke is Herc. the county seat of Gregory County, yes. Bone Steel. What a town. Dude, that's cool. Bone Steel. It's a great town. And Fairfax. All right, I'm sorry. We've interrupted okay. your uh, story. Um, so officers are like, that's not really how an experienced hunter puts a gun into a vehicle, especially if it has ammunition in it and there's a passenger. Mm -hmm. um, so Deputy Dre decides he's going to have Bertram take him out to where the incident happened. Um, they also check out his truck. They notice that there are three pheasants in the back. They felt him up a little bit. Uh, two of them were cold one was actually still warm appeared to be freshly killed mm. so that would drive with, with what yeah. he had said um three apparently is the limit when you're out road hunting pheasants mm. okay uh so that was his limit but when they get out to the scene um it's a dirt road in an isolated <clears throat> area it's sort of in a basin uh where it's hard to see from the surrounding areas mm. Uh, the deputy is able to see tire tracks that look like the tracks of Bertram's vehicle. 
Uh, they spend some time trying to locate the spent shell where he says he shot the last pheasant. There's a lot of weeds in that area. There's really not much to see there. Um, in his truck, they note the shotgun sitting with its barrel resting on the hump of the truck. There's blood in the passenger side of the vehicle that does appear to be consistent with her being shot in the truck. Um, they come back to the hospital and they find out that uh, Neela dies. Mm. When they tell Bertram, he's very stoic and he's not emotional in the slightest. Um, of course, you know, we always say you can't go by people's reactions to trauma because he might be in shock. Yep. Uh, he might, he's law enforcement. I was going to so say, if he was a lawman, he's, he's more, you know, he's accustomed to, being, to trauma. Right. Accustomed <laughs> to trauma. Right. Um, so let's go into some of the background on these uh, two folks. At the time of the shooting, Leonila is 26 years old. She came to the United mm. States in 2004 when she was 22. She moved here from the Philippines. She had been raised in poverty there. Uh, when she moved, she actually left behind her parents, three brothers, and four sisters. Huge family. Left that just to come to America solo. Not exactly. Okay. Uh, she worked at a nursing home. <laughs> <laughs> what? Was she mail order? Uh, stop. I'm just saying. You said not exactly when he was like, oh, she immigrated. And you're like, well, I'm yeah. like, oh, was she brought here? I mean, mail order is not very classy. All right, fine. That's not PC. Mm. Well, I mean, not PC. It's not Email very order. I mean, that's more accurate. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, you don't do it through mail anymore. It's online. Right. This is point and click. Yeah, what, what year are you in, guy? Right. If you're so, going to order humans, you do it online. So she worked at a nursing home, uh, made decent money there. She was sending $300 a month back to her family in the Philippines. Mm, okay. She was their major source of income. Damn. Um, she's described <laughs> as a go-getter. Uh, full of energy, lots of life, uh, love to dance. They talk about that a couple of places uh, throughout the story. Um, but she moved here because she had met a man, uh, then 67-year-old David Stickney. The two of them married quickly, and by 2005, they had a son together. By late 2008, however, Neela and David Stickney were estranged and were going through a divorce. They share custody of their son, uh, during that time period, but it seemed to me like he resided mainly with Mr. Stickney during that time, although he had frequent uh, visitation with his mama. With his mama. Um, now, Russell Bertram, at the time of Neela's death, is 52 years old. He had been an officer in, and I don't know how to say the name of this city, so I apologize, uh, Colomy, South Dakota? It's I see it on the map. C-O-L-O-M-E. You know, I was far back. I thought I put a G in there. I thought it was Cologne. Yeah. Um, from 1988 to 91, he's then an officer in Parker, South Dakota. Okay. From 91 to 96 until he eventually became the chief of police at the Harrisburg Police Department in Harrisburg, South Dakota. Okay. Uh, he did that from 1996 <clears throat> until May of 2004. I have no idea why he stopped that job, whether it was retirement, scandal, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, after leaving there, though, it seems he worked uh, some random construction jobs. He had been married three times before but was divorced at the time he met Leonila. Um, as best I can tell, they started seeing each other at some point in early 2009. 
Reminder, this happened in October of 2009. <clears throat> they was engaged quick. Yeah, so uh, that, mm, there's lots about that, too. So mm-hmm. two days after the shooting, there is an autopsy on Leonila's body. She uh, pregnant. Dr. Randall is the ME who conducts the autopsy, but he's not the ME in Gregory County. This comes into play a little bit later. Okay. Hmm. Um, he is actually the ME <coughs> in uh, Minnehaha County. South Dakota, and is doing this as a courtesy for the folks in neighboring Gregory County. Anyway, he notes a shotgun wound to her left chest. It's very small in diameter uh, for a shotgun wound, so it's very close range. Mm -hmm. Hmm. He indicates that this did catastrophic damage, caused multiple gunshot pellet wounds to her heart, diaphragm, liver, pancreas, basically separated her aorta from her heart says there's no survivability from the wound that she had. He further notes that there are no defensive wounds to suggest that she had been involved in any sort of a struggle prior to the gunshot. Uh, he does make one other interesting finding. She is pregnant. Ha! Uh, but she is very early first trimester, just a few weeks. Uh, he Act indicates, like I don't know what I'm doing over here. Dr. Randall indicates that he felt her <laughs> manner of death was inconclusive at the time he conducted the autopsy. But he does not get to make that decision. The uh, jurisdiction over which uh, has custody of the body investigating jurisdiction apparently I mean, makes that decision. Here's my thing. That's dumb. How is it not, I, I mean, labeled as a homicide. I mean, even if it's an accident or whatever, like right. someone kills someone another. Else's it's, hand. Right. right. It's not That's like a it's a homicide. suicide. It should be categorized as a homicide, I would think. Right. And if um, you're going to let this guy do the autopsy, but not make the call. What are we doing? Yeah. Why is he there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that I thought that was interesting as well. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Lots of little interesting. Don't make it that like much this. harder to find that Emmy come trial time. You dig. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk about Bertram's interviews for a second. There are several times where they talk about interviewing Bertram about different things. The two major interviews that they talk about later in the case with Bertram happened in, I think it was January of 2011 in January of 2014. Um, I'm not sure whether they had just smaller discussions with Bertram about certain things as they found out or whether they just held on to this and all of the things that they talked to him about, they talked to him about in those two interviews. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's part of the the nonlinear way in which the story was told yeah. that I've just not been able to figure out. So some of this, I'm going to say things that Bertram told law enforcement about certain things they found out, but I have no idea when, when. law enforcement was talking to him. Oh, gotcha. So you don't know how That's long confusing. they had that. Yeah. <laughs> I do know like certain key points from both of those January interviews. I'll talk about those. But some of these other things, I don't know when he necessarily says the things that he says. Um, So when they hear that Neela's pregnant, they, of course, are interested in that. Mm -hmm. Um, In looking for a reason somebody might shoot somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, something to throw out there. So Sheriff Wolf uh, talks to Bertram, and Bertram, when he hears that she was pregnant, says he didn't know. He also has no reaction to the news. He's not overly surprised, not upset, not distraught, nothing. Um, They can't really put too much stock in the pregnancy news at this point, though, because it was so early, they don't even know that Neela knew knew Mm -hmm. that she was pregnant. Uh, 
Um, but he does, it, it is weird to them that he doesn't react to her pregnancy with any sort of emotion. Being, you know, her The presumable fiance. father. Yeah. Right. Um, now, three days after she dies, so that's October 27th, the shotgun is tendered to the state forensic lab in Pierre, South Dakota, for testing. Um, they were interested to see maybe if, if Neela's prints were on the barrel of the gun. That would tend to support Bertram's narrative. Sure. But they also know that fingerprints are so evanescent that sure. it may not tell them a lot if there's nothing there. Um, November 9th, they get word back that there's nothing there. So that's not really helpful either way. But like um, you said, it's also not like determinative that she didn't grab the right, right, right. Yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't really, really mean anything yeah. either way. Mm-hmm. Um, so November 30th, 2009, uh, approximately four weeks after the shooting, the Gregory County Coroner reviews the autopsy performed by Dr. Randall, and the Gregory County Coroner chooses to list manner of death as accident. Uh, that does uh, pretty much put things on ice as far as the murder investigation. But law enforcement was really suspicious about the story that he gave about the handling of the weapon. Mm-hmm. If he's experienced with weapons, why he ain't he no would... dummy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're suspicious, but they don't feel really that they have enough to do anything with at that point. Um, as Dr. Randall said in the interview, I watched with him, Accident was certainly a plausible explanation, but there's a saying in South Dakota, if you want to murder someone, take them hunting. Mm. So uh, that's why he would have said it was inconclusive. <clears throat> and in a little, you said a, a basin that's not really visible from anywhere else, right? Like you're right. taking her out in no man's land and she just accidentally gets shot mm-hmm. with a shotgun. You're so experienced, Directly but you pointed heart. it at her. Right. And then she happened to make you pull the trigger. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm tracking. Okay. So uh, about a month after that or so, um, in December of 2009, the sheriff's department gets a call from David Stickney. The uh, the estranged husband. The estranged husband. Okay. Uh, in being the executor of Neela's estate, because they were still married, mm-hmm. he had learned that there were two <clears throat> life insurance policies on Neela worth almost a million dollars. Every and time the, with the insurance policies. And the only beneficiary on those policies, despite it, the fact that she has a son it, and it, that she's supporting her family him. in the Philippines. No, it definitely wasn't him. Is good old Russell Burton. No, no, you don't say. <laughs> uh, <sighs> these dummies. Like, I don't understand. How many people are going to put insurance policies on somebody and then get them before they figure out that's not, that doesn't work, man. It's not smart. God, yeah, it's not smart at all. So life, life, gosh, law enforcement subpoenas the life insurance policy applications. They confirm that Bertram is the beneficiary of two policies, one secured with an agent by both Bertram and Neela. It was a five-year term life insurance policy for $750,000. Best hurry up and get her dead. She's 26 years old. Yes. One, the other policy was obtained by Bertram online. Mm. It's a $20,000 policy, but it's $150,000 if her death was accidental. It's one of them accidental dismemberment sort Mm -hmm. of policies. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, I'm not knocking anybody for getting insurance. I suggest you all talk to Claire Watson. That is true, yes. But good friend. But- this is a young person. Y'all only known each other for 
it, right? It was that year that they got together. This is yeah. October. Earlier that year, they get together. Why are we talking about life insurance? She was in on the first one. She had to know he was going to kill her ass. So had they to know. Ask Bertram about these policies. Oh, yeah. Uh, he says they it took says, out... what money? <laughs> <laughs> you, y'all couldn't see Joe with his pinky extended <laughs> taking a sip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Bertram says that they took out the policies because Neela was a bad driver. <laughs> oh, I can't. <laughs> I'm gonna just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I'm fucking dead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Y'all all right? Yeah, I think yeah. That's I know, it's the most racist <laughs> shit I've ever heard. Um but Bertram <laughs> says they took out the policies because Neela's a terrible driver. Um, oh, my. He, he says, must have been extra confident she was going to die $750,000. Then he says that she named him as the beneficiary so that he could distribute the proceeds to her family in the Philippines in monthly installments. Mm, uh, I'm sure that is, was in writing somewhere, right? Yeah. He also explains that he's maintained contact with Neela's family in the Philippines. And, and gave them um, 75 cents. Right. Yeah. He's he's maintaining contact with them. Uh, he called and told them about her her death that by all accounts, he, he seems to be he seems to have a good relationship with Neela's family. So, um, of course, David Stickney thinks this money should go to his son. Um, so in mid 2010 or so, Stickney retains an attorney for Leonila's estate and files a civil suit claiming that Bertram intentionally killed Neela mm-hmm. and therefore is not entitled to any of these insurance proceeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Stickney also drops another little bomb on what? law enforcement. What did he do? He said, well, you know how he's going through this divorce and all. Mm-hmm. I was worried about who was having access to my, to my kid. kid. Mm-hmm. So I had a private investigator follow Neela. And you may want to talk to this dude named Nathan Meter. Meter? Meter. He the PI? No. Oh, he the is subject. a uh, oh. another gentleman. Oh, a gentleman caller. He <laughs> could be the daddy of that baby. A gentleman. Meter breaking her that Peter. <laughs> who Neela has been seeing. Mm. So, in January of 2010, law enforcement made contact with Nathan Meter. Uh, they basically go out to his house, knock on the door, and they ask him if he knows Neela, and he says he does. And they inform Hey, man, you him, smashing. <laughs> they inform him that she's deceased, and he is inconsolable. Uh. He asks how she died, and they tell him that she was shot by her fiancé in a supposed hunting accident. He says that that was almost as hard for him to believe as the fact that he had been killed. He had no idea that she was in a relationship with Russell Bertram. She didn't know. He didn't know she had a fiance. Yeah. Did not know anything about a relationship with Bertram. Um, Just like a real fiance. Like she got a ring on it. I don't know. You're not going to know the answer to that question. I don't know the answer to that question. You know some people. You know what I mean. That's my fiance. Right. But they ain't got no, you know. Right. Um, So Meter tells law enforcement that he had met Neela 
out at a bar in September of 2009, and they sort of instantly took to each other. He describes himself as being more reserved and indicates that Neela was more outgoing and she loved to dance, and she actually got him to dance with her. Mm. When I tell you that this man speaks so highly and kindly and fondly of this lady, it, it breaks my heart. Twerking will do that. Change your life. <laughs> but he does. He speaks very sweetly of her. Um, he says that after they met, they began texting and talking on the phone every day, seeing each other every time that they could. Um, he says that Neela came to him on October 22nd. Reminder that she died on the 24th. 24th, okay. She came to him on the 22nd and told him that she was pregnant and <gasps> believed that he was the father. <gasps> Um, he was surprised, but he was not upset. No. Uh, he was accepting and actually hopeful about it. Um, That's heartbreaking. So while he, while he was not upset about it, like, and he right. wanted to continue to see her, she had actually asked him for a couple of weeks so that she could sort of collect herself and her thoughts, and then they would uh, get back in touch and figure out how to proceed. Word. So uh, law enforcement's like, wow, that was just a couple of days before she died. And Meter was like, nah, she was texting me in November. And they're like, say what? So he takes out his phone. And sure enough. Wait, wait, yeah, because this is this is way this is way after murder that this interview is happening. Oh, the this interview. But he didn't even know she was dead. No. He, he ain't got a newspaper. Well, I, and, I, I don't know about newspaper. And where was she? Dead. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, y'all were rapping on the regular. Right. And then she's well, just apparently gone she was, and so she was she, texting him. She asks for two weeks. Right. She asks for two weeks to get herself together and then they'll figure out what they're going to do with their relationship. So, okay. So, and he then what, says, what she figured out was ghost. Brief hiatus. She right. ghosted him in the most literal of ways. Oh. Ghost. That's dark. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's real dark. He gave her the two weeks of space and he's like, you know, I tried my best i didn't call her Mm -hmm. i didn't text her or anything but at two weeks the two week mark i was hitting my girl up hey girl right right. um and he reached out and he was like hey i've missed you it's been two weeks when can i see you and he did not get an immediate response which he thought was odd Mm -hmm. um but when he did get a response it was i can't see you anymore Hmm. so he wrote that he dead he wrote that he'd really missed her a lot and he doesn't understand why she doesn't want to see him anymore. Mm-hmm. And the response was, I'm married. So Nathan thought maybe she had decided <clears throat> to reconcile with, with David uh, Stickney. Sure. Uh, because they had a son together. Yep. And um, he was sort of trying to process her responses. The, I can't see you when I'm married. Yeah. Right. And as he's doing that, he gets another text from Neela's phone that says, I want to know if you think I was good in bed. And he says at that point, it felt like <laughs> to him that he was probably not really talking to Neela. Mm-hmm. So he asked her to call him. There was no call and there were no more texts. Nah. That text exchange happened about two weeks after Neela's death. And when the police showed up, he was dumbfounded when they said something bad happened. Right. He, well, he see, do the math. The way he the way he explained it was he had assumed she had gotten back together with, with Stickney. The old man. Yeah. That Stickney was who was texting him. Mm-hmm. Um and he was trying to figure out, you know, 
the situation with the baby, but he's like, he had a reason to call the police. Right. You know what I mean? He right. just thought they were having issues with their relationship and she had decided to reconcile with Stickney. So the police now know though, <clears throat> that whoever's got Neela's phone mm -hmm. has been texting with Nathan meter and they know and that that's Bertram. Yeah. So they begin to wonder if Bertram knew about meter prior to Neela's death. Even though he did not know about the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So this is the part, like, this is happening. Their interview with Nathan Meter happens in January of 2010. <clears throat> Nothing that I see really happens until January of 2011. That's a year. That's a whole year. Whole last year. And I think it's probably for a number of reasons, the biggest of which was the ongoing civil litigation. Because when you get civil litigation involved, mm, you got yeah. lawyers everywhere. Yeah. Um, which complicates things. Mm, but do. I think some of it was they wanted to see how the civil case played out. There was also a mention, and I didn't understand this at all, because it's not like Bertram knew there was going to be all this litigation. Um, but they were like, we didn't know how big of a motive the insurance policies were because we don't know if he going to get them. And I'm like, well, that's dumb. He didn't know there was going to be all this right. litigation. Right. He just thought he was going to get the money. Right. You Doesn't did. matter to money. his motive whether right. he wins the lawsuit. Right. His motive was to get the money. Yeah. But um, there's a, a basically a year where not a lot happens that I can see. Um, eventually, though, local law enforcement contacts the South Dakota Division of Criminal Investigations and asks for help in continuing to develop the case. And that's when they send Special Agent Guy Benedetto in to work on this. That's a lot of syllables. Right? Benedetto is a special name to me. So when I was a clerk, there was a prosecutor in Grant County mm -hmm. whose last name was Benedetto. His name was Denny Benedetto. Denny Benedetto. Yes. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I knew as much about Denny as you know about someone when they appear in court. You know, uh, I saw him practice law and he was a hell of a lawyer. Yeah. And to be honest, he's why I wanted to be a prosecutor the most of all. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Yeah. So Benedetto is a good name. Where you at, D? Yeah. So... They are working up toward interviewing Bertram again after knowing that he's the one with Neela's phone. Uh, they do some more background investigation on Bertram. They find out that in 2008, he filed for Chapter 13 bankruptcy, was in debt. I've seen different figures. Some say at least $86,000, which is a very specific number. Others say it was in excess of $100,000. Mm -hmm. um, basically, his debt payments equaled his income. So he was hurting for money. For the cash money. Uh, they also spoke to those three prior wives I had mentioned. Mm. And they heard from them, no surprise here, about obsessive jealousy. Mm. Taking their phones, accusing them of cheating, mm -hmm. violent outbursts. He held a butcher knife to one of their throats at one point, And good. he threatened another with a shotgun. With a shotgun? Yes, you imagine don't that. Say. Feel like we're checking some boxes on the lethality checklist. Yeah. D-lag. D-lag. So uh, in January of 2011, Bertram comes in for an interview with both local law enforcement and special agent. <clears throat> and he special brings... Special agent guy. Yeah. Uh, that's what... Uh, special agent guy? <laughs> that's what uh, Leonila's family calls him. <laughs> agent guy. Agent guy. Yeah. Um. So he comes in with his attorney, 
in the civil case. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is uh, Mr. Sergeant Clinton Sergeant. I believe is his first name. I can't remember sure. Yeah, Clinton Sergeant. So uh, they got some sit names down. in this one, don't yeah, we? Yes. we do. We got some got some real highlights bangers. from this interview. Include he begins by again denying that denying knowing that Neela was pregnant. Then he admits that she had made some comment that day about her being late. Uh, then dude casually goes. She didn't know that I'd had a vasectomy. Bertram got a vasectomy back in the 70s. Uh, so he knows if she's talking about being late, she being stepped pregnant, out. it can't possibly be his. Mm. Unless it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Unless he didn't have a follow-up test. <laughs> the follow-up t- it's important. It's important. You best get it done. <laughs> um, they ask him if she... <laughs> 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 they ask him if he had checked her phone at all prior to her death to see what she'd been up to. And he denies doing that. Uh, they know that's likely untrue from having talked to his wives about the fact that that's something he regularly did. Uh, they then ask him about the messages to Nathan Meter that Nathan had received after her death. And he admits that was him. Hmm. But he said that he just sent them because he was trying to find out who it was and if Neela had slept with him. But you know what he didn't ask? What your name is. Did you sleep with this girl? Well, he said, am I good in the sack? Right. Which is a real dumb person way of trying to trick him into being like, yeah, bitch. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You nasty. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what are you you supposed to say to that? Um, I mean, it was all right. I mean, you know. So. so He's trying to marry you. Law enforcement continues to not do anything with the information, really. They just waiting. Mm -hmm. They waiting on that civil suit. And I mean, October, I, I, are, are, I assume amid the the civil suit depositions are happening. I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, there's some interesting things that are happening in the course of the civil suit um, that become an issue in the trial, um, but they don't really talk about depositions necessarily. Okay. Interesting. Uh, in October, uh, October seventeenth, actually, in 2020, 2011, October seventeenth, twenty eleven. <laughs> There's a settlement agreement reached in the civil suit. Oh. Yes. So $600,000 is going to Neela's estate. The remainder, which uh, chalks up to be in three hundred and twenty grand plus $82,000 in interest, go to Bertram. Mm-hmm. However, the settlement included specific language that the proceeds from the larger policy plus those proceeds interests were to go to Bertram for the benefit of Leo Neela Stickney's family in the Philippines. Hmm. So now law enforcement waits to see if Bertram sends the money to the family of the Philippines. Do, do, do. Because if that was really the intention of the policy and he does really follow through with it, it sort of weakens their motive arguments. Man, uh, he's but got of a course, chance. He's got a chance to pull, to just that, scoop himself out of a murder money charge. money is not making it to Manila. It nah. ain't happening. So it takes a year for the money to even get paid out. Right. And then they got to watch to see what he does with the money. So uh, it is forever. Time passes. In September of 2013, Agent De Benedetto decides he's going to go and talk to Bertram at his spot. So he rolls up to Bertram's place in Sioux Falls, knocks on the door. And to his surprise, a Filipino woman who bears a striking <laughs> resemblance to Lee Manila oh Stigney answers the door. She identifies herself as Melissa Devali. 
who is the sister, sister I knew of Leonidas Stickney. He was going to trade up. I knew it. She tells the agent that <clears throat> she is married to Russell Bertram. Oh, yep. my God. Saw that coming. I didn't even say nothing, but I thought about it. So <laughs> I thought about it. Agent Guy is uh, not prepared to interview her at this point. And uh, he basically thanks her and books out. Well, in a way, to regroup. is he now not providing for at least one member of her family? You see, he's doing his... The money is going where it was supposed to. (laughs) Oh. So, in January of 2014, DiBenedetto goes back to Bertram's place, hoping to catch Bertram off guard. And this time he's there and he agrees to speak with him. Uh, Bertram, upon questioning, (laughs) the, the interview starts off going, so I hear you got married. How'd you end up marrying your dead fiance's sister? So he basically explains to him that uh, in their communications after Leonila's death, he stayed in contact with Melissa as sort of a point in contact for the family. They became close. He travels to the Philippines, ends up telling Melissa that that he'd take care of her if she would move to the U.S. and marry him. Mm-hmm. So they get married in 2013. Um, he talks a lot with the agent about Neela's case. Here are the key high points from this interview. He eventually admits to looking at her phone records prior to her death and admits to confronting her about a particular number she was frequently contacting. But then he says, oh, she just told me that was a friend, so I let it go. He sounds like the type of guy that would let it go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Consistent with his background. Uh, He also admits... with his prior statement. Yes. Yes. He also admits several days before the hunting trip was when she told him that she was late. Not that day. Mm. So now they know that he's had time to think about where to take her to get this done. Mm -hmm. Um, So then more time passes. In August of 2014, Agent DiBenedetto sees Melissa out walking by herself. And he kind of pulls over and he's like, Leigh, would you mind talking to me about your sister? Mm -hmm. Uh, and she agrees to Um, he specifically says he wanted to make sure he got to talk to her while Bertram was not anywhere around where his influence uh, would be felt or where he could interrupt their conversation he immediately starts off with Melissa by telling her that he believes that Russell Bertram intentionally killed her Uh, and Melissa is shocked by everything he's saying to her Melissa says Oh, let me tell you. Bertram he, told he came up the with family, a cool story. Let's hear the cool story. Yeah. Bertram told the family that Neela had been handling the gun wrongly and accidentally shot herself. Mm. Mm-hmm. The agent asks about the insurance money. Like and, you don't remember what you told the police about how she got dead. And then when you're talking to her family, you just totally flip the script. Like mm-hmm. you just switch it up entirely. And you don't think that that inconsistency is important. Well, I think it probably had something to do with why he thought he could kill her and get away with it in the first place. Because she was a, a, a poor immigrant and she didn't have any other family out here. Except she had a rich ex-husband and a kid. So, I mean, I feel like maybe he misjudged on that. Yeah. But that's just the vibe I'm getting from this dude. Uh, <clears throat> the agent asked Melissa about the insurance money. And she tells him that Bertram lost the civil suit, so he didn't get any insurance money. Oh, But he still... But he still can send you to send our family $200 a month because God, he's he such a generous, loved caring so guy. Mm-hmm. And she was sending him $300 a month when she was a nurse at a <laughs> nursing home or something. Yeah. Mm. So uh, Agent DiBenedetto pulls out copies of the checks to Bertram 
from the insurance company and shows her those checks and shows where the family specifically was to receive the lump sum of the insurance from the larger policy. Special agent guy is not playing around. He wants this dude. He he's, comes with receipts. He's just driving around, sees old girl out for a jog, girl? and he's like, hold up, I got files in the backseat. Hold up. Let me, you need the, the checks? You yeah, the right checks? here. They're in the I console. I got, yeah, hold Carbon on. Copies, yeah, right. you need, I got them. Don't worry, take them. Like, who just rolls around like that? Special agent guy does. Yeah, special yeah. agent guy. Special agent guy. You damn right. So she confirms that they did not receive this money. Um, and at this point, I watched the interview with Melissa. She says she just wants to leave. She wants to go back to the place. She wants to go home. She it's can't like, believe. Divorce number four. I bet she do. She cannot believe she has been with the man who killed her sister. Um, she agrees, though, to stick it out with law enforcement and to help them and to testify against Bertram. Now, that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. They married now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come up at all. Hmm. Never, It's never raised. It doesn't come up at all in the case. And I'm assuming that's because... I, I'm I'm kind of thinking maybe she was able to get it annulled mm-hmm. um, under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and there, you'd probably just be talking about the general the general the bar. inducement of the yeah. the marriage or something. I don't I don't know. Well, and but, how it works in South Dakota. I mean, maybe right. It's we don't know. Privileges. But to clarify, in West Virginia, there's a privilege, a marital privilege. Two. Where, yeah. Two privilege. I. Two marriage. You want you want to talk about marital privilege? Yeah, I, I miss some marital privilege. Uh, so there's the standard testimonial bar, you know that that one of you, uh, if you're a, you know, on trial or whatnot, and the state wants to call your spouse to testify against you, you as the as the uh, defendant, you can say, nope, that's my spouse. You can go and pound sand, Mr. Prosecutor or Ms. Prosecutor. Yeah, I've said things to them. In the uh, confidence of our marital relationship, well, that's right. that I that's expect the, it to be private. That, that's the second part. So there's the, the standard bar that you could say, nope, you could stop them from being called to testify. But then even if you're not married anymore. So let's say we get divorced. But while we were married, right. I told you my secrets. I told you where the bodies is buried uh, in an effort to strengthen the bonds of marriage. <laughs> uh, anything that is said to your spouse in confidence in that way, that communication is protected so your spouse might be able to come up and testify against you but they can't say yeah we smashed and afterward he rolled over lit a cigarette lit a cigarette and said you know i killed that kid in 1974 (laughs) that's not coming in because uh it's a spousal communication privilege so those are your uh your two recognized spousal privileges in west virginia if you don't know now you know spousal <laughs> testimonial privilege spousal privilege um and the only exception to that is uh, child abuse cases yes bet yeah. so if it involves the kids then anybody can say anything because kids are more important than your marriage son exactly so that however the mar- marital privileges did not come up at all that i saw in any of these records well then i reckon i wonder if it was a if it was an old or if she just got divorced or, or maybe they don't have it in South <clears throat> maybe, maybe they're yeah. like that's stupid mm-hmm. yeah. we don't care what you tell each other in the confidence of your marriage yeah if you admit to bodies you right. killed somebody like mm-hmm. yeah. that might be their rationale it's, yeah the fact that you killed somebody is more important yeah. um but finally september 8th of 2015 Russell Bertram is indicted for the murder of Leo Neela Stickney. Murder in the first degree. So that's what, six years later? Because we were 09? We were, <clears throat> yes. Um, in September of 2016 is when the trial takes place. Mm-hmm. Uh, September 12th through September 26th. Ten days of evidence. The jury deliberates over an additional two days. And what, where's homegirl this whole time? 
sister, sister wife. Is she just at home with old boy? Like just at, I, I didn't talk to special agent guy on the side of the road. I'm act like nothing happened or is she, has yeah, she I left don't... him? Where, where is she in the mix? She most assuredly did not stay with him after the conversation with agent guy, mm-hmm. how she got out of that relationship. I don't know. That was never discussed. Hmm. I'm just wondering like physically, you yeah. know, amid like, this trial, she's saying day? I'm a cooperate. Like where, where is she? Yeah. Where are you staying girl? <laughs> staying at a hotel or something? Hmm. Uh, they introduce a ton of evidence in the trial. Um, they introduce some 404B evidence. Mm-hmm. I think we have talked about 404B previously. I think we've been there. I do believe. If you ain't listened to it, go back and find that episode. You should Word. be listening to everything anyway. Word. <laughs> um, in addition to some of the evidence with regard to his prior wives and his obsessive jealousy, uh, they also look to introduce some evidence that Bertram had paid women for sex. <gasps> And had also uh, sought to introduce several emails and other communications, uh, including some testimony from some folks about some romantic and or intimate affairs that uh, Bertram was having both in person and on the Internet while he was in a relationship with Neela. I, I love me some 404B. Do but, not get me yeah, wrong. But what, but what is it, the relevance of that? His cheating ass. What has that got to do with killing people? So... Uh, They used it to show lack of accident. Um, Bertram had told officers that Neil was the love of his life, the best relationship he'd ever been in. He'd never do anything to intentionally hurt her. And all of this evidence goes to show that that's complete and utter bullshit. Uh, They used it to combat his claims of accident. So their argument was lack of accident. Interesting. I mean, I wondered, I thought maybe they were going to go with like, he who smelt it dealt it, you know, like one of those things. Like... (laughs) You know what I mean? Because cheaters are going to be the first to to accuse to you of cheating, right? Right, and to be aggressive because of the one- insecurity they're breeding within themselves. Exactly, yeah. to get up in their phone. That's where I was wondering if that was going, but no, just he. It's not an accident because he smashes all over. Yeah, because he hoeing. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know so about that. That was that was their argument. Um, ultimately, the court suppressed the evidence that he had paid for sex. Mm. They found that that was overly prejudicial. Okay. And not particularly probative. Probably. But they yeah. did allow the evidence of his affairs with other women. Uh, there were three specific women identified who had actual sexual relations with Bertram in September and October of 2009 mm-hmm. that they found, uh, who apparently they produced to testify about it. Mm. Uh, the defense also sought to suppress some other evidence uh, that the state wanted to use. First, they wanted to suppress Bertram's interview with Agent Benedetto in January of 2014. Their argument was that Bertram had brought counsel with him for the interview in January of 2011. So the agent should have been required to speak with Bertram's counsel before arranging or attempting any other interviews with him, which is not how any of that works. Mm-hmm. I mean, but dude, dude was a civil counsel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. He also represented him in the criminal. Trial. Oh, did he? Same yes, dude. He did. Oh, okay. Um, had a co-counsel, but he was one of his two attorneys for the criminal trial as well. Attorney Sergeant. Yes. Clint. Uh, they also wanted to suppress the fact that Bertram had married the sister. <laughs> and they also wanted to suppress the existence of the life insurance policies. What? <laughs> no, that I bet, one, I bet they one, did. Yeah, I bet they did want to suppress that. <laughs> you, you don't say. You want to suppress the fact that your man's got next to a mill. Yes. The big neon murder sign. <laughs> like, motive. <laughs> yeah, you do want to suppress that. Sure. So... The uh, defense sought to admit 
certain evidence Ooh. that the state objected to. Ooh, okay. That's... Specifically, the results of a lie detector test that Bertram had commissioned by a private administrator in the course of the civil litigation. Uh, this evidence was excluded upon a motion in limine, but came up again as the trial progressed. Um, according to the documents that I read, apparently law enforcement had also asked Bertram to take a lie detector for them with their expert administrator, and he had declined. Uh, but I had also read where he may have eventually taken one for law enforcement after his arrest, but the results of that test were never released. So do they not just have a per se rule in North do. Dakota that it, it doesn't matter? Sorry, no. sorry, South, sorry, yes. South. Damn. That they, I know that's disrespectful. South Dakota that they just, they don't matter. That is exactly what they have in South Dakota. Okay. But they were just trying, um, right? Like, but they hey, were trying wanna... real hard. Yeah. Uh, but here's what happened during the trial that caused them to renew their motion. During the trial, the state called the attorney who represented Neela's estate in the civil litigation. This dude's name is Doug Daly. <laughs> if there has ever been a Marvel sounding name, mm. Doug Daly Doug is Daly, it. Doug Daly, attorney at law. So Mr. Daly was testifying that he spoke to Bertram's attorney in the civil case and indicated that they believed that Bertram had intentionally killed Neela and that all the insurance proceeds should be paid to the estate for the benefit of her son. Mr. Daly then quoted Bertram's attorney as responding, no way. Uh, the state then asked Mr. Daly, what did Bertram's attorney tell you about his reason for saying no way? The witness responded they were disputing that he'd intentionally killed her, just generally. And he went on to describe them reaching a settlement in order to avoid a lengthy litigation. There was an objection and a sidebar at that point where defense counsel asked the court to reconsider its ruling with regard to the admission of the polygraph test, arguing that the state had opened the door to its admission with their line of questioning by asking, why did they tell you no way? Um, defense even indicated he would agree to a limiting instruction. Oh, but wanted to admit the letter defense counsel had sent the attorney for the estate detailing the reasons it was disputing their claims, which included the polygraph. The court denied the defense motion and maintained its prior ruling, finding that law in South Dakota is clear mm -hmm. that polygraphs are per se inadmissible, and they find so even for what would be limited use in impeachment. Interesting. Um, the prosecution on the case was comprised of... Two assistant attorneys general, I guess when they got the state investigators involved, the state attorneys also came along with that. Uh, they were Paul Swedland and Michael Hansen, and they also had Gregory County State's assistant attorney, Amy Bartling, on the prosecution team. Swedland does seem to have been the lead prosecutor in the case, though. Uh, when he gave his closing, <coughs> this is my favorite thing I read about the closing, um, in speaking about the insurance money and the pregnancy, he stated that Bertram had 900,000 and one reasons mm. to kill oh. Leo oh. Stickney. Oh, damn. Right? Mm. So I like the, that. That's a jury, good hook. The jury deliberates between nine and ten hours uh, over those two days. Mm -hmm. Before reaching a verdict, they convict Bertram of first-degree murder. That carried an automatic sentence of life without parole, and that sentence was imposed on November 22nd, 2016. Uh, he did file an appeal. Uh, in the course of the appeal, the uh, South Dakota Supreme Court calls Leonila a mail-order bride, which oh, is I feel, not classy. I feel, vindic I feel vindicated. It's vindication. not classy. Do the not... 
Do not knock this girl's hustle, man. Supreme Court, we squad. <laughs> she she came out of poverty in the Philippines to this really well-to-do dude in the mm. United States. Mm. Don't knock her hustle. No, she I ain't mad at it. I ain't mad at it. Good for her. Get yours. I mean... So the appeal, they, they do discuss uh, the introduction of Bertram's various affairs and indiscretions while he was with Leonila as an allegation of error. Um, the court found the court finds that those um, witnesses were relevant and admissible to show that Bertram had real no, no real attachment to Leonila. His claim that he was in love, misses her to this day, best relationship, all those things he said that would introduce that this had to be just a tragic accident was contrary to the way he was actually living his life immediately prior to her death. In other words, it clearly shows absence of mistake or accident. That's what they said. That's what they said. I like it. They ain't listening to any any John Legend tracks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Early 2004. They was all of it. He loved his boo, but he was writing songs about stepping out on her. <laughs> Circa for John Legend. Yeah. She was fire. Get hip. Um, the primary <laughs> focus of the appeal was the polygraph mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and South Dakota just says, look, look. Yeah, that, that seems such a stupid assignment of error. not admissible Period. anywhere. Yeah, get over Period. It. Not for his uh, defense team apparently had been like, y'all never have considered it for impeachment purposes before. And apparently he didn't look closely enough. done because, the researches. Mm. Because they had. Mm. Uh, and they cited the cases in which they had. It's a very um, defense counsel thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like, nah, bro, we done said how many times you can't use a polygraph for any reason. They did note in a footnote that they would not foreclose the possibility of reconsidering their polls per se rule um, in the future if presented with an appropriate case. However, abandoning the per se rule against admitting polygraph results would require at a minimum strong evidence that the technology of polygraphs has advanced mm. to such a degree they are generally accepted as reliable in the scientific community. Right. Which ain't gonna happen. Nevers. Um so he uh he in prison forever ever. How about that? Because he killed that killed that lady. Killed that lady and then married her sister. So the takeaway from the last episode don't hitchhike. Yeah. Right. The takeaway from this episode is don't marry people over the internet mm. and travel across the world to actually live with them. Why well, David Stickney didn't out. do nothing to her? That's right. The man that brought her in just gave her money, love, affection, and a baby. Right? <laughs> Still ain't work out for her. I'm just saying. That's because she got, I mean, she got greedy. And it probably wouldn't work worked out too well for sister either. No. no she was probably working, work working her way to some tragic thing. Demise, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Just terrible. Yeah, that sucks. But, you know. And they, the the episode of, of accident, suicide, or murder actually ended. Um, they talked to Melissa about how much she misses her sister and uh, is just mortified by what she did in marrying um, Russell Bertram. Yeah. But they also ended with Nathan Meter talking about how he still thinks about Neela and wonders how things might have been with them. Mm-hmm. And then he still messes her and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor bastard. Yeah. 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 He speaks of her. Very highly. Very, very highly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a... Ugh. Sucks for him. How old's yeah. dude? 
Nathan Mater? I don't know. No, uh, uh, Bertram. Yeah. Bertram was in his 50s. In his 50s? Yeah, at the time of the shooting, he was... 52 at the time of the death. So 52, 52 with a life insurance policy on a 26-year-old. Okay. She's okay. a bad driver. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she is. You did. That was <laughs> Get out the, the left lane, girl. Terrible thing. <laughs> Mm, well. What an explanation. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Special agent guy coming through. My man would yeah, not. That's good let police, go. right? Yeah. That's good police. There's a, I, I, that's I what like I'm, that. we're going to tell the CID. Y'all best start just rolling around with your files. Keep files in the trunk. So if you come across a victim <laughs> driver or a witness uh, witness jogger, rather, yeah. or, or victim jogger, you just pull it out. <laughs> hey, look at these. Yeah. What you think about this? Look at these crime scene photos. What you know? Look at these checks, uh, girl. Yeah. Oh, damn. He got that money. He just ain't tell you about it. Well, um, thank you, Cheryl. Yeah. Thank you. Good to get back bang on the saddle a little bit there. Huh? Yeah, yeah, not bad, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> not bad. Not bad, not Enjoy bad. It. I like these little, I like these, I like these one and dones. Mm-hmm. These, you know, I feel like we can amass much more content, which is perhaps what the people want. I don't know. We're going to find out because we're about to launch that Patreon soon. Probably going to be launched by the time they hear this episode. Maybe if you're a Patreon, you're hearing this earlier than anybody else because you paid to play. Yeah. Might even see some some feet Some picks. feats, bruh. <laughs> some feats and some notes. Toes and both. Like this <laughs> note that just says Penis Alabama. I found this in here. That was from... <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Joe meant to tell a story. I did. It was from the last time I told a story. And I, I to remember it, I wrote Penis Alabama. And it worked. I remembered it in time. But... Um, yeah, and we need to have somebody. Maybe I'll put my wife on this on m- merch. I think hmm. we need to get the merch. Some store garb, yeah. If people want to, coffee mugs. Mm-hmm. I am, and uh, it goes. It should be repeated. Your sister brought it up to me when um, I had the pleasure of meeting her last weekend. That um, I'm the only one here without swag, so oh. um, it breaks my heart. And I need to fix that. But I also need to uh, open the store so we can sell stuff to other people. Um, but in the meantime, uh, keep a follow on us on Instagrams at No True Bill Podcast. Uh, send us an email if you have a case you want to do, want to tell us we're awesome, anything like that. Uh, at no tell Tri- Cheryl to remember how to talk. Yeah, Cheryl. Words. Uh, no True Bill Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, I think. I think that's it. Oh, and whatever the Patreon's going to be, look us up on Patreon. It'll probably be something, something Patreon, no true bill, because <laughs> yeah. I ain't done it yet. Um, and and if you do it, don't kill your spouse, but look into life insurance with Claire Watson. That's right. That's right. Hit up Claire. State Farm. State Farm, life insurance, all kinds of insurance. All Car insurance, home insurance, life insurance, mm, jewelry insurance. I got all kinds of stuff from Claire. State Farm. And you should, too. That's right. All right. Good people. You know, Claire would tell you. Until next time, y'all stay out of trouble and get insurance from Claire Watson. I'm mad when I found that song. I wasn't mad. There's there's another song actually like a lot that Truly uses uh, that has the sheesh in it. <laughs> I almost, there, I don't <laughs> Let me be clear. I'm not annoyed 
by the sheesh. Just, I'm annoyed Joe. by Joe. <laughs> The thing doing I, the sheesh because <laughs> I don't think he uses it in the right context. I'm not entirely sure what the appropriate well, context is for sheesh. But speaking of like the context for that and not understanding it, have you seen a bunch of videos where like people do that and then like every time they do it, they do this? They do this, yeah. What does that mean? Sheesh. That's ice, ice in, in the, the veins. veins. See, Joe, Joe, oh, sent see us, I... Joe sent us a whole thing about Did that she should be somehow connected to ice in the veins. <laughs> and... Oh, wow. I must have missed that I one. Never, I don't know. Uh, yeah. That's what I, I, <laughs> I, I don't. <clears throat> I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's it's the only time I feel really super old. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, it's I don't know what any of these kids are saying. Joe doing yeah. a sheesh. Yeah. I got a name that is not Cherylethia. <laughs> no. It's a, uh, it's a thick shout. Thick shout. What it do? Two C. <laughs> what up, Cuz? Yeah. Cuz. Does Cuz listen to this show? You think? I don't know. I should ask him. He I'm should. A, should. If he don't, he's stupid. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> he sucks. Cuz could have been on the podcast, right? Could have been. He made some decisions. Yeah. He did. Mm, feds. Shoo. <laughs> <laughs> see what I mean? It's just. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense.